Baseball is back, which I'm glad for, and hockey yeah. has back. Now, obviously, you're in the Nashville area. Um, the Preds, the Preds are in the, I guess, I guess they're in the playoffs. Yeah, they're in the playoffs. So yeah, you know, they're calling it. I, let, let's let's be real. Like it's the playoffs. They're calling it technically <laughs> the qualifying round. Uh, and then you have to win to get into the first round of the playoffs. But I think even the players are saying right now it's the playoffs. Sorry, my dog. This is my dog, by the way. Oh, Say nice. hi, Chuck. He's a monster. Hey, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. Can you say hi? He's an absolute monster. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my big boy. So anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, they're in the playoffs. I mean, it's been like 140 something days since they played hockey until yesterday. Actually, a real game. So it was a uh, very cool seeing them on the ice, even though uh, not the greatest showing. So yeah, I mean that that loss that loss was tough for the Preds. I mean, especially how this, especially how that we, that first goal was kind of a fluky goal. Oh, you're like, you're like, right on with that. When that goal happened, it went so the goal hit off of Kyle Turris first, and then it hit off. Of Matt Duchesne, and then it went over the head of our goalie, UC Saros. And to start the game like that, I just, it's a tough way because what happened after that is the momentum, even though I think the Preds had a really good start out of the gate, um, the moment that that goal happened, I think it gave um, Arizona some momentum, and then you just saw what happened from there. It was like boom, boom, boom. I mean, they had three goals, you know, towards the end of the first period before Phil scored, um, and they had already dumped himself in a three-one hole when the first period was done. So, not a way to start a period. And what I've seen with this team over the past season is they've done that a lot, where they'll dig themselves in a hole, and they can come back in that third period, and you can see a whole different team but they're going to lose by one goal because they've already dug themselves in such a big of a hole. You know, they they can't dig themselves out, so. Now, what happened with Pekka Rene? Is he injured? No. So, you know, Pekka, I don't know if you know, Pekka is 36 years old. I, I think some people forget how long he's been in this league. Yeah, I actually forgot. Yeah, right? Because he, first of all, he's in great shape. You never know he was 36. Um, he, he still plays like you know, he's he's 30 or 28 or whatever it might be. So this was one of the toughest decisions that head coach John Hines had to make, um, considering the fact that Pekka started in, like, so many straight playoff games for the Preds. I mean, it goes back to when he got his first start, pretty much. UC Saros has never made a start in playoffs for the Predators. This was his first start. Um, but UC kind of won the job over this last season. I mean, he kind of kind of took the starting job from Pekka, um, and, and he looked, they, they both looked good in camp, but I think UC had the edge, um, and we all, we all kind of knew that was what was going to happen, but um, the big question now, and I don't think UC had a bad game, I just think there was, they didn't, he didn't get much help up front in that first period, um, you had that fluky goal. And I think for the most part, he kind of shook it off. Um, but the big question is, is Peck going to start tomorrow? Now, 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 Charles played well. He played well. And I actually forgot how old Peck Arena was 
And the simple fact, you know, you guys went to the Stanley Cup Finals with him back in 2017. Yeah. He's been he's been a long-standing um, um, Nashville Predator for such a long time. The simple fact yeah. that now Faros is starting. Is this now the changing of the guard? Like, what's going to yeah. happen with Piper Rainey for his future? With yeah, Nashville? no, you're, you're exactly right. Um, I truly feel um, like, and, and we have a, a, the sports dude chiming in, that Tom Brady is 43. Yes, he is uh, very unique in the way that he's 43 and still playing quarterback at a pretty pretty high level. But uh, we've seen we've seen Brady digress a little. You know, it, it happens with age. Just that, yeah, you can you can see you can see it a little bit. Uh, no, but it's still amazing what he's been able to do. And and again, what Peck has been able to do. And that's a goalie. That's goalies do not last that long. I'm sorry, but like the, what their bodies put through, how many injuries usually occur. Uh, you know, in between the pipes with these goalies. It's really been amazing that Peck has lasted this long at this type of level. I think he really, really wants to win a cup, and that's kind of been allowing him to hold on, um, especially for the fact that they've had this opportunity the past three years to go to, go to the final. I mean, they really have had the talent to do it um, on paper. They just haven't lived up to it. Um, I could see Pekka potentially retiring after this season, um, maybe one more season, but I just feel like UC has taken over that starter job, and I think you're right, and you can kind of see the changing of the guards. Now, another old goalie, when you're talking about changing up the guards, you look across New York, you look at Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Lundqvist has been with the organization since, what, 2000 and since what 2003 2004 he's been there his entire career went to a cup with the rangers and i I guess you're seeing him as well he's i believe he's around the same age as pecker yeah he's not played well these games although some of the losses these couple losses i can't really fault him but do you see Henrik finishing his career, or do you see Henrik like picking kind of calling quits because they're these goalies, one team, never left, both been to a cup final, both came so close to winning one. Yeah. Where do you see Henrik? Yeah, I feel like he's on that same um, wavelength as Pekka. I feel like he, he kind of has wanted to hang on just because it's like, you know, you want to get to that top so bad, right? And you want to do it with the team that you feel has given you so much, who has kept you, who has, like, believed in you. Because let's be honest, nowadays, especially, players are all over the place. I mean, they're moving and going places every three or four years, and it's really rare to stay with one organization, uh, let alone the Rangers, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be honest here. So I think he could be on a similar path like Pekka. I don't see him going anywhere else. I don't think he's going to go somewhere for one or two years just to say, you know, I'm going to go be a backup somewhere and try to – I mean, he could go to Seattle. I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to want somebody that old in that. But, um, yeah, I mean, you just never know the mindset of these athletes especially hockey players, it's always like they want to try to give it one more go. You know, it's like one more year. So, I, I, I don't know. I feel like he'll he'll, uh, he'll retire a Ranger, though, and it probably it will be sometime soon. I definitely don't see Henrik going 
getting drafted by the Seattle franchise. I don't see it. When you're a young franchise, yeah, you gotta have a young gun in there. You gotta have a young. Like, see, Flurry was kind of different because Flurry still had something left in the tank. But and Henry, he kind of, yeah, and he he didn't really. It's weird that whole situation in Pittsburgh with Murray. Like, it was almost like he was too good to be a backup, but Murray was so hot at the time, and it's like, how do you not go with him? And so it kind of just worked out how it should have, I guess, because he was able to go to a new franchise, and he's, he's done great there. But you're right. He he still had, a, I think, a lot of juice left. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I don't see that happening. And with Henrik having a no-movement clause, he, Henrik's not going to want to go to, like, a team that, that is ready to win, like a Boston, like a Tampa, yeah. a team that's ready to win a cup where he's just, he gets a ring by doing, uh, athletes want to be, especially goalies, goalies want to be the ones that say, you know what, I got us there. Like, look at Jake Allen. Yeah. I know Jake Allen won a cup last year, but I know what's eating him alive knowing that Jordan Bennington from the AHL was the one that really put the team on his back and carried them. And they were in last right. place by January 1st, and then they had to win the cup. And it's incredible. Though, and even though I'm Jake, I'm sure, yeah, I won a cup, but... He kind of felt responsible because the team was where they was because of him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, goalies, let's be honest, you have to have a solid goalie in the playoffs if you're going to go far. I mean, that's what, like you said, in 2017 with Pekka, I mean, he he played so well for that team um, and helped them get to that point where they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, without him, that would have never happened, right? And, and they also can get on hot streaks in these playoffs too where it's like some of these guys are just unstoppable um, which will be interesting to see if that happens in in this playoff uh, this crazy time that we're in in 2020 because it's so different you know I think a team that's really built for the that's built for the postseason I think if you look at the New York Islanders they're so structurally oh, sound yeah. their defense is good I think what will hold the Islanders back they don't have a true sniper like they don't have a guy like an Ovechkin yeah. that 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 will just score goals. Like the Islanders get goals like on timely, on timely goals when the opportunity's there. Like in Game One against Florida, they scored on opportunities when when they actually convert on power plays because they were 27th league on the power play. When they when they get a chance to score, they're good. Their defense is solid. If Varlamov can be steady behind the pipes, that's a team to look out for in this format. Well, and especially for the fact, because who's who's behind the bench? Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz. Former Nashville coach. Former Nashville head coach. And let me tell you something about Barry Trotz here. I never got to cover Barry Trotz. Okay? I came in after the fact. But he is a legend here to this day. People love Barry Trotz. They kept him. I mean, he was here a very long time in Nashville. And... Then we were see, you know, we saw what he did, obviously, with the Capitals, and I just think he's a coach that gets it. Uh, he knows how to win, uh, and so you mix all of that with what you're saying, and I think that's exactly right. And then you got a guy like that, who's your head coach, who knows how to win, who knows what it feels like. Uh, I think that's a good pick uh, to go deep in this this playoff. Especially when you have Lou Lamorello, who is the guy, who's a Hall of Fame GM. Who knows what he's doing, making the moves. Yeah. And look, put this way. The Islanders swept the Penguins last year. No one saw that coming. 
I think they were victim of having a long layoff and waiting for the, uh, for Carolina, and when Carolina was coming in red hot after beating Washington, I think Islanders were victims of taking care of their opponent early and having to wait for so long. Remember, they went they went within six six or seven days, and then they couldn't get their sea legs in, and when they realized it was too late. So I really think that I really think that a team like the Islanders could give a team. Like Tampa Palm, because the Islanders play so well defensively. A team like Washington, who Barry Trotch coached right. against. That's another team that can give them problems. So, those, so the Islanders could upset some teams going forward, assuming they beat Florida, you know, in this qualifying round. Well, I think that's what makes the playoffs any year in terms of the Stanley Cup playoffs so fascinating. Because really, you know, you're going to have your favorites, but like we saw last year with Tampa Bay, and I'll get to the Blue Jackets in a second because this is the other former team that I covered and who are actually the team that I root for a lot um, for very many reasons. But uh, you saw what happened with that. I mean, nobody expected that to happen, but it's the Stanley Cup playoffs and things like this happen. So I can't imagine, like, this year with all the stuff that we've gone through with the big pause, with all that time off, with the restart, um, what could happen this year. I mean, that's what's so exciting, and that's why I encourage so many people to just check it out, right? Just, like, turn on the turn on the playoffs right now. Turn on some hockey. Like, check it out. Check out something different, because it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty fun to watch. Let's do that hockey. Right, let's do that hockey. Now, that's like now, my favorite skit ever. I love that skit. Like my, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I am dead serious. That's my favorite SNL skit ever. I, I think, I think that is probably, probably my top five favorite SNL skit. I love Chance the Rapper. He's so fact, great. And the fact that I, I have it as my gift every time there's hockey. I'm like, Me let's, too. Do that, let's do that hockey. I do too. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you this. With first of all, did you are you have you played? Did you play hockey or like how did you get into it? I'm just interested because I always love people who um, it, who appreciate the sport because uh, I just think it's an underappreciated sport. Well, I never played hockey per se, but I played field hockey before, and I had family that loves hockey. I mean, my my dad is a my dad who was alive he was a Canadians fan. Love love that. Yeah. I became an Islander fan. So I can tell. So you can tell, really? <laughs> you made a good pitch for them. Yeah, well, that's my team, of course. I'm gonna root for them. So um, <laughs> and it's it's and plus uh, and plus it's just I, I, hockey is such a uh, sport for me to easily fall in love with. I love football. I love baseball. I love that. You know, I love yeah. I I love basketball. Basketball's cool, but. Because I'm a Knicks fan, basketball's kind of fall out of favor for me because it's it just got to a point where it's like it's like I see LeBron and 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 all those players winning championships and the Toronto won a won a championship. I'm just like, man, I know the Knicks will never win a championship, man. Maybe when I'm I, dead. One, I'm, one, I, one day. I, all I just I put I put this in my notes. I'm like, if the Knicks could win one, all I'm yeah. asking for is I'm not asking for three. I'm asking for one. You give me one, I will be at peace. I will not ask for anything more. Just same thing with the Islanders. All I want, they won four championships, but I, I was born in 1990. They won right. championships from 1980 to 1983. Exactly. So it's like, I never knew what the island was, how Nassau Coliseum won. I love the Islanders' history, the tradition. The fans are so 
passionate. They love. They love long. Long. When you go down that, when you go down the turnpike, you go down the LIE, you go down Nassau. Live, breathe, and die Islander Blue forever. They stuck with this team through the good, through the bad. They always. This. We want to talk about a loyal fan base. The Islanders yeah. are probably one of the most loyal fan base. The fact that they were threatened to move and they and now they got Ledecky and Malkin, who not only are they not moving, they're building a new stadium in Belmont, yes. and now they're going to be staying in Long Island, which is where they rightfully deserve because they were going to be in Kansas City or Quebec. It, it, it is so great to see the Islander faithful being rewarded for their patience and hard work and dedication because they really deserve that and Islanders have a bright future with Trotz at the helm, who connects with their players. Everyone, you you go down Long Island, they love they, they love the veteran. They love him. Oh, I'm great. sure. Um, they love Lou. They love the fact that they kept it. The Malkin has been so active, and he's not just lip service. He's communicated with the fans. I remember he went on like a Zoom call with the fans, and it is just amazing. They, I, I, Islanders got me passionate for hockey, even though I've seen them in the playoffs a few times. It's just nothing is like the barn rocking in postseason time. There, yeah. is, there is no energy. You can talk about MSG, but when you go to the barn in the postseason,
since he was a free agent and they signed him, which is an incredible story. Um, but so I've had that passion. My, my grandfather's from uh, Winnipeg. Um, my Ooh. brother played hockey since he was three. He did all the travel team stuff, won a state championship. Um, so I've been around the game for my whole life, and I wanted to play. Uh, as as a as a kid, and my parents like they just never they never got me to that point where they let me. Um, yeah, so I was a little bitter when they got my brother on skates at the age of three, but that's okay. I did all the other things, and now I'm a sports broadcaster, and I I, I have the best job out of anyone. Well, first off, you have the greatest job, and I want to say thank you. You have probably the best job, and obviously with um. But the fact that I do, I do puck luck, and I have, I have a podcast called Sports News too. That's why you see my boy using our account commenting. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I love hockey. I think everyone who knows knows that like hockey's been a pa- it's a passion play for me. I've always loved hockey. I think it's the most uh, underappreciated sport, and I think for me, the outs- outside of goalie. Sorry, I'm going outside of quarterback. I think goalie is the most important position in yeah. all of sports. You don't yeah. win a cup without a good goalie. That's just a fact. And Ew. the Stanley Cup is the hardest championship yep. to win yep. in baseball. In baseball, yep. um, if you're usually the best team, you kind of have a good chance of winning the World Series. In basketball, let's face it: if you don't have two or three All Stars, you're not winning. Just you're not and winning. you know who yeah. the best team is, right? You, I mean, you, you, you kind pretty of much know. You know. And in football, I mean, there is some parity, but but let's be honest. If you have yeah. the best quarterback, nine times out of ten, you're really going to be You're going to be at least in the Super Bowl. Let's I agree. be real. Let's I be agree. Hockey is so unpredictable. It's so unpredictable, but that's what makes it so great. And that's why, again, I like just encourage everybody to just check it out. Just to, to see, like, what it's about, you know? You might have never watched hockey in your life. I just want um, everyone to know we're talking to an Emmy Award winner. Let, 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 uh, let's, let, yes, you. we got to put that out there. We're talking to an a Emmy Award winning in Kayla. I just want everyone to know that she knows her stuff. She's very talented. Even though I'm from the New York area, I don't see, but I do see your stories. And let, I, let's just say that you are fantastic in Thank everything you. that you do. And I'm saying that because I truly mean that. We need more women in sports, and we need more women who know their stuff. And, yep. women, and you know, we need more women in broadcast. Because I yep. think that's more forgotten. It's not just women in general. We need more women in broadcasting, like yourself. Yep. Which leads me into the Washington Redskins situation. Yeah. Obviously, they, they have been doing, they have been, from what the reports are, um, harassment with their female employees since 2006 to 2019. Obviously, led by the owner and Dan Schneider, they recently they recently changed their team from the Washington Redskins to the Washington Football franchise until they find a better nickname, which will likely be in 2021. So, what are your thoughts on the whole situation going on in Washington? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm I'm glad that they finally finally changed their name. I mean, that was a long time coming, um, but I just. I cannot believe that Dan Snyder just continues to be at the top of his organization and continues to hold on. I mean, what is he holding on by literally a, a thing of dental floss? I mean, yep. this this guy continues to have things come out 
about him. Um, I don't care if he wasn't directly linked. You know that he's a part of something because he is at the top, and it always trickles down. And goes from the right down. Right. And those were his friends and people he hired. Um, and so I just don't, I don't understand why he's still there, and maybe he won't be in a couple months, you know? I, I don't know. Um, but I just think that there's, at least this is a start, where, you know, I'm happy that these women came out and felt like they felt comfortable enough to say, hey, you know what? Um, this is what happened. And I know not all of them have, have you know, shown their faces or said their names. Um, but, you know, there there's, there's proof out there that this happens. And uh, unfortunately, this happens in this business, um, especially, you know, at different levels. And I've never personally had anything in terms of teams. Um, but I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of male sports broadcasting bosses and I've gone through a lot of stuff in terms of, you know, being, I guess, not, not sexually harassed, but definitely degraded. Um, you know, looked at as, oh, well, you, you have to be babysat because you're not doing it the way I do it. Um, I've definitely gone through that in my career. Um, which is very, it's very crazy to look back at. You, know? you, you just show the Emmys and say, I think yeah. I'm doing a pretty good job. And you know just, what? It, it was like three years after I dealt with, with that specific person. Um, and that's when I did, I won the, the Emmy about three years after at, at a different station where I loved, I loved the people I worked with. And it was like, you know what? There you go. I'm sure you saw this, you know, like. So there's all those times that you were trying to get on me after every show because it wasn't the way you did it, you know? And I did it my way, and I wanted Emmy. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that I think that, that is going to be something that is you're going to start seeing more of is just people, like, not afraid to come out and speak their minds, um, women specifically. And I think that's a good thing. But like you said, we need women in the business, but we need women who know their stuff, who worked hard, who, you know, grind. Like, these, you know, I've worked my butt off to get to where oh, I am. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, course, and, I'm, and I'm proud of that. And um, I just want, I, I try to surround myself with those type of people, you know? Yeah. It's, it's always the grind. It's always, it's always like doing extra and making sure that you prove for yourself. And there's always room. And that that's why you're never complacent. Oh, for There's sure. always room for improvement. Um, yeah. A few more, a few more before we end with rapid fire. Now, baseball's back. Yankees are, are killing it right now. Your thoughts Wait, on? Wait, time out before. Do you know? Do you know the person that I know very well on the New York Yankees team? First of all, I knew Didi very well, but now he's no longer in yes. New York. Now I cover Geo. Yeah, Gio uh, Shella, yes. In, in, when um, he was with the Clippers, and I covered Gio for like two years, and I did like three or four stories with Gio. There's a story, if you want to go look it up, it's out there. He he actually did a field fielding episode with me where he took me out in the field and showed me how it's like we wouldn't field some ball, and it's hilarious. I'm going to look that this, up after this, yes. This guy is the... Uh, I like this player. These are the players we need in MLB. These guys... He is awesome. He's fun. He enjoys the game. He plays the game with passion. 
Um, and he's worked his butt off to even get a chance to play in the majors, let alone a team like the Yankees. Um, so it's good to see he's been he's been playing well. I mean, of course you've got all the big names there, but I wanted to point out a name of a hardworking guy that that I got to cover. Drew Arshella has been a household name for the Yankees. They love him. They love him in the organization. Um, he, he is their third baseman. He's a great defensive third baseman. And now he's now now he's, now they're starting to get a, a a sign of what he can do defensively. Um, yeah. Now the Yankees are the, are the best team right now in baseball. I know it's abbreviated because it's 60 games and whatnot. But yeah. what do you think of how that start they got to? And also, don't look loud. Not now. Don't look now. By the way, Nick, she said the Columbus Clippers. Um, look that up. The, the Columbus Clippers. That's what she said. Um, what do you think of the Yankees? Uh, what do you think of the Yankees? Um, start right now. The seven yeah. right now. I mean, well, first of all, they're. I mean, they're like you said, off to a great start. You can't argue with that. And and I think it's just it's fun to see the Boston series with them early too, because then we get. You know, we get everybody with these national games, they're able to see kind of what these teams are about. Uh, you cannot argue the fact that, my goodness, it's like, what was that game the other night? How many runs were scored? My, my goodness, it was like ridiculous. Six, but 16 runs. Just, I love, I, I don't know why, but like, I've always liked, and I know people don't like Aaron Judge, A, because he's a Yankee, and it's like, He's just a name, but like, like yeah, I know, I know, I'm not a Yankees fan, but I like, I like some of those players on that team, but I really like Aaron Judge. I don't know why. I just think that he's, he's a, he's a big name that you can actually like, like, he's not a villain, you know, and just because he plays all the Yankees, you can still kind of like be in awe of him. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's because he plays with the Yankees and automatically there's the Yankee hate. And I, sure. think he's, I think when healthy, he's one of the top five players in the game. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. I, think that's, I think that's undeniable, the fact that he is just so, so talented and he's healthy. And yeah. now he's trying, he's showing the world when he's healthy, this is what he's able to do. And now that you have him and a healthy Giancarlo Stanton, the Yankees now I know. is now scary, and the fact well, that they're already seven and one, it's amazing. Well, and that's the thing. I was just going to point out the fact that this is what we knew was going to happen with this season, since it's only sixty games. And let's hope that they get through it. Let's hope that Manfred doesn't shut down the season. But they need, they needed to get off to a fast start, and I'm I'm talking about any team, right? And that team that could get off to a fast start this season in my opinion is going to be the team that's going to make it to the end or you know just whatever teams can get off to fast starts can can get into the postseason Uh, I just think that's so important because it's just a game of momentum and you see baseball you can have a great first half and have a bad second half or you can have a bad first half and have a great second half like the Nationals Um, but in this case it's only 60 games so, in my opinion, you want to get off to a good start and have that momentum building from the beginning. Next year, we'll get right. We'll get 162, and then we'll yes. see. Then, then we'll see the, the the real contenders from the pretenders, and that's when you'll yep. see. I think the Dodgers off to a good start too. I think you're seeing the two best teams in baseball, the Yankees and Dodgers, and I think. Mm-hmm. 
we're, we're, we're in for an inevitable Yankees-Dodgers World Series. It'll be great for the ratings. It'll be great for me. I'm going to be a... I love the Yankees. I am a diehard Yankee fan. And as much yes. as... And I don't want to put my Yankees pinch up. The Yankees going to win the World Series. I'm going to be honest. If it's Yankees-Dodgers, I, I think the Dodgers are going to win. Primarily because of the fact that the Yankees, Yankees outside of Cole... Mm, mm. That that's the biggest concern, and the Dodgers. Um, Walker Bueller is good. Dustin May is good. I think Kershaw really wants to atone from his postseason demons. He wants to, but can he is the biggest question because you can want, want, want all you want, but if you haven't proved it, and you're Kershaw, and you've had the opportunity, then it's like what back do you do? You really can't. 2017 and 18, back-to-back years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I will say, um, and we know Mookie Betts well because he is from um, Nashville, and he does a lot. Uh, I just interviewed him a month ago when he was out in the community. Um, hi, Justin, good to see you. Um, he was out in the community doing, like, he's an amazing guy, by the way, but he was, like, handing out masks for people, you know, and handing out, you know, sanitizer for people who don't, can't afford that and who need to be protected from, you know, what's going on in terms of this COVID-19 thing, but then I just feel like he's been, he's been a great addition, and it's only been, like, two weeks of baseball, and he's, like, just off to a great start. I mean, he's, he's been a great fit there. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that he'll be a, a good addition. I wish, I really wish I could have seen David Price um, play this season, but I know that everybody has their reasons for opting out, but it would have been cool to see, you know, then him on the pit, on that staff as well. Oh, I agree. And um, your friend Justin, yes, how about that Blue Jackets win? Good win for the Blue Jackets. I got my CBJ shirt on. <laughs> now... Before um, last question before we, we go to rapid fire, um, World Series picks. Are you going Yankees Dodgers as well? That's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean that's the popular pick, so I'll probably go with it just because they are both off to a good start and they have the pieces. Look, I don't like Dodgers. Um, Clearly, I I just I don't I'm not an LA person like. I, I get kind of annoyed with fans there because I think they're kind of fair weather. They kind of like represent. When, they were like, throwing you know. haymakers. Yeah, you know, I've always been that way with these Cal- like these LA teams. Like I, I love like some of the fans that actually, you know, actually like stick with their teams when they're bad and everything. LA is just weird. Like they got so much other stuff to do, but when their teams are good, oh my gosh, it's like. Cousin, um, but the Dodgers do have a good following, and and you know there are some. It's a, such a legendary franchise that like their fans are all over the place. I just don't like the Dodgers, but I would say it's, it could be very well for the Yankees and the Dodgers when it's all said and done this year. Uh, I think this year is probably Yankees Dodgers, and I think um, as much as I think the Yankees. I want the Yankees to win. I just feel, I just think the Dodgers would win this series probably because of the pitching depth. The only thing that, yeah, in order for the Yankees to win this series, you got to hit one of the one of the starting pitchers. You really, really do. Um, yeah. You got to hit one. You, you got to hit one of the starting pitchers. You got to get to their bullpen. You, once you get to the Dodgers bullpen, that's where you got to see. I want to see what DeGarrett Cole does against Mookie Betts. Also against some Cody Bellinger. Those yeah. Are, those are those are some really really. Important, important questions to ask. 
just the the tentacle that came up and the red eye and the colors are phenomenal everything about it was like a plus I, I i think the jersey was great i think it was beautiful like even me i'm like i, I might just get me a, a shirt just because you gotta get 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 a gear get some gear just to listen, have it right listen, i already listen, ordered some so listen, i got my islanders gear you already know i'm gonna rub the islanders to death but it's gonna oh, be yeah. really cool but it's gonna be really cool to have um to have island gear. um ooh, a guy asked a question for you kayla did you ever get to go to ballparks for your reports Oh, yeah, all, all the time. Um, I actually covered the uh, Cleveland Indians uh, a few years ago in the World Series. Um, so I covered them and got to we our, our actual station. Uh, we would obviously go up to Cleveland for the games because I was in Columbus. And then I, I actually traveled to Wrigley, too, to cover um, the games that were in Wrigley. Heartbreaking so, for the Indians. Heartbreaking. It, it was. It it was heartbreaking, but it's weird to say this. It was almost like you couldn't be too upset, though, because the Cubs had not won in so long that it was like it was such a good series that it went down literally to the last imaginable thing that could have happened that it was like, okay, I, they won, and it was heartbreaking, but at the same time, it was like at least they, it was them that beat them and not some They were up 3-1. I know. Three one. You had a chance to break a curse from nineteen forty eight. You had it, and then you up two zero against the Yankees in the following year. You up two zero against the Yankees. Like, yeah. Especially when Girardi didn't challenge that call. They were up two zero. Girardi nearly blew that series, and then you know it's yeah. it's, it's, it's you know everything comes full circle, and I think it does. They'll get theirs. I loved I loved everybody in Ohio. Loved covering the Cleveland Indians. It was like one of my favorite teams to ever cover. Um, Frankie Lit- Frankie Lindor is one of my favorite baseball players. Um, he and Gio are actually very close. Um, they're very similar people. So Lindor Yankees twenty twenty one. I'm for it. <laughs> I know, right? It's not, that might happen. I'm not lying. That might happen. Uh, um, another, so what was your last rapid fire? Sorry, yeah. I've got to get, I got to make yeah. some dinner here. Last, so. last one, and I'm gonna put you on the spot. What out of all the jobs you work, and even right now with COVID, what was the best thing, the best um, coverage you had on any specific team? And it's so, and what was it? What was the best coverage you had from all your time working? Oh man, I've had I've covered a lot of cool stuff. Um, I would say just for the fact because I was a part of it for the first time ever would be the 2014 national championship that Ohio State won because that was the first ever college football championship, uh, and I was there covering that from the start. Um, you know, I still am in touch with a lot of those guys to this day who play in the NFL, like. It's just, it's one of those things that you just can't really explain. And when you go back and think about it, you're like, wow, that actually happened. Like, I was actually there. Like, I covered the first ever college football national championship, and I covered the team that won it. So that's pretty special. And I got to say, guys, Kayla, I got to go make some dinner. But I got to say this, Kayla, you are awesome. I'm glad you're safe. Keep making content. Keep breaking barriers. And... Remember, just kick butt. Don't let anyone stop you or deter you from anything. And always, I hope to have you on again real soon. This was fantastic. And 
good luck to everything that you're doing. And also, guys, watch some hockey. If you're not yes. a hockey fan, go watch right now go what's going it. on with the qualifiers. I guarantee you'll fall in love with the sport. Kayla, thank you again. Hey, it's been fun, my friend, and good luck to your Islanders in the, in the run here. Thank you so much. Take it easy. All right. Bye. Bye. Not much. Bottom of the sixth. Men on first and second. Um, Didi has a base hit. The guardy party don't stop. And um, you just had a very good interview with the Emmy Emmy Award winning Kayla Anderson. And that interview is going to go with our next guest interview. And that's Kevin Kernan. Yes, it is. So, um, I just go ahead. I want to know... We don't we don't get little wigs. This is an Emmy Award winner. We get the big wigs here, guys. We get big wigs. Right. And you're right. But um but yeah, it was very interesting. I am not gonna spoil everything, but said. Um it, um for everyone who missed it, go check it out. Obviously, um me and Steve Earlier, um, we did our Puck Luck Live um, today, earlier, talking about all things Rangers and Islanders. Steve, I'm sorry, but it looks, unless the Islanders blow this lead, it looks like you're going to be wearing up some Islander gear. You know, just just for that reason, I really hope that uh, the Islanders just screw the pooch. So it, so it could be a wash. Yeah, it it needs to be a watch, watch. It doesn't, uh, need, it doesn't need to be a watch. Nah, it it really really does. Um, Kay, Kayla mentioned that she once interviewed Gr Shella when he Did was with it? the Columbus Columbus Clippers. So yeah. in twenty fourteen, he played a hundred and four games with the Clippers. In twenty fifteen, he played twenty two. In 2016, he played 117. In 2017, he played 76. In 2018, he played 11. And then he played a couple games of Buffalo and Scranton. And then with Toronto, then Scranton. Then looks like he'll be staying with the Yankees. Home run rise with Columbus. Let's see, one year he had 13, 3, 8, 6, and 0. So, not bad, but, you know, he's basically known for his glove. I mean, just just last year and, and, and so far this year, his his bat his bat is getting there. But I'd, I'd still mainly see him as a defensive player. But but very good, you know, that's, that's why they're at. They're having uh, an experiment with Miguel and Duhar. But, guys, that's all it is, man. If it wasn't for him having a great rookie year, and let's just be honest, last year when he played, he didn't do anything. This year so far, not doing anything. And, you know what, guys? Guardi is like CC Sabathia. He's here. He's going to start. So, when Andujar gets his opportunities... He's going to have to hit. Now, Tuffman should start more than DD. Not, not I mean, all guardy. And Mike Ford. Ooh, ooh, never mind. Pop up to right. But, um, Tuffman, should he start a little bit more than guardy? Of course. 
I could agree with that, but should Mickey start over Gardner? No. Should Clint start over Gardner? Hell no. Hell no. Never. Never in a million years. But now we're about to have Kevin Kernan, who was with the Post for years, and now he does some great work for Ball9. Um, GoBall9.com, hosted by Mr. Richman himself, Mr. CEO, who's, who we have had on the pod, Mr. Christopher Vitali, and uh, they just do some great, great stuff over there. Word, let's do it. Okay. And Gio Urshela just hit a three-run home run, but we are here with the wonderful and the smart Kevin Kernan. How how are you doing this evening? Doing great, doing great. How are you doing? Doing good. Kevin, this is James, the other half of Sports Build. How have you been able to maintain yourself doing content for Ball Nine during these unprecedented circumstances due to COVID-19. Well, basically, I, you know, I, I've done this job for 44 years, uh, worked at the Post for 20, the last 23 years, uh, with Ball 9. Uh, I have a lot of contact. I call people. Uh, for example, just this week, uh, I had a great um, interview with Bruce Gossage. Called him uh, one day. So, you know, when the, uh, the whole thing happened with Joe Kelly, I said, let me, let me talk to a guy who's been there, who, who's been known in 10 day matters and did it, if there's such a thing, did it the right way. So I called Bruce. I had you know, I, I, I saw him all, every year up at uh, Cooperstown. I pushed for him to get in the Hall of Fame way back when. Uh, I was sort of looking, I did all the research to realize how, how his saves were, you know, two or three inning saves, not just one out or one inning. So we have a strong relationship, but you never know when you call people. And, um, you know, I left a message, and within 24 hours, Chris called me back. So he said a lot of media people had called him, but he was only returning my call. So a lot of it, to answer the question succinctly, is a lot of it is uh, doing your job right for 20, you know, for the last 23 years in New York, and 10 years prior to that in San Diego, and then uh, prior to that in New Jersey, just getting their contracts, earning their respect, being fair and, um, you know, uh, using those contacts when you have to, and also being creative. I mean, that's, um, you know, that was just a, that was a column I did where he, he basically lambasted baseball for what they're doing, how his old Yankee team, if that had happened to those that Yankee team with the Astros, they would, I said, what would you guys would have done? And he goes, well, we would have hit 10 in a row. He, he said they literally would have hit 10 batters in a row because they they, they because of the Astros or uh, cheating scandal. And then the other side of that, that, that's kind of a newsy column, but uh, earlier this week I also did something where I did creative. There's a, a young business entrepreneur who was creating a, a, a new way for pop-up stadiums for wiffle ball. He would bring the stadium basically to you, the ballpark to you, and run tournaments. And, he had 65, uh, uh, the previous year, he had 65 dates that he, you know, he, he, he had done that. And, of course, COVID came by, so I gave him a call, and um, we figured out, uh, you know, he's starting to get back on the speed again, and what made it work, and I, and I was able, I was able to call him off the, well, you know, Wiffle Pole's the same age as me. We were both born in 1953, and then I dovetailed into his experience, what he's doing. 
and uh, how you know it's 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 a it's a fun way to do it because he makes it more of a, a hitter's game with football in his way of doing it. So I've done that, and I've done about twenty different stories. All of the, a lot of them is just created from out of my head, and some are with former players I know, some are with uh, players I do know. There's Zoom calls, you can do that kind of stuff, and some of it's just columns on um, what's uh, you know my my uh, reaction to certain things going on in baseball because. A lot of crazy things are going on these days, but so that's a that's the start of the answer, at least. I'm glad you got hooked up with Ball Nine. You know that's ran by a friend of ours, Chris Vitali. Um, be, be, before you had that good opportunity, did you know that you was gonna be let go from from the paper? No, no. I was. Uh, I got a phone call. Uh, you know, uh, and again, twenty three straight years. Uh, um, they work at the post and uh, basically got a phone call one day and uh, found out uh, had a meeting and uh, you know one of the virtual meetings and uh, found out that my, my position was terminated and uh, you know happened quickly and uh, I'm not the type to uh, you know I don't I don't lament things I don't I don't that's I don't, good uh, and it's, <laughs> I don't uh, you know uh, people make the decisions they can do whatever they want I know I'm I'm very sh- very confident in my abilities and my, my work speaks for itself for the last 44, 45 years now, really. And um, I just uh, turn the page, and that's that's all we can do, I think. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, you know, the decision was, uh, was made. I had nothing to do with it. I did my best. And uh, for 23 years, I was at the top of my game, and like Ken Rosenthal said the day um, that it was, uh, the day I basically let it out, what happened, uh, um, because. Basically, uh, yeah, I wanted to let people know that they wouldn't be seeing me anymore in the post. And, and uh, Ken Rosenthal from the Athletic and, uh, of course, Fox and all that stuff said, you know, Kevin Kernan never lost his fastball, and that, that's <laughs> true. And, and, uh, and the other thing I want to say, too, is when, when that all happened, I guess, um, you know, I had thousands of people reach out through social media, and I had hundreds of people text and call and and a lot of those people, too, were, you know, major league players, uh, fantastic, the president of the Dodgers, uh, like, you know, um, you know, Bianca, David Ray, lot, lots of people found out, you know, I, I recently spoke to, uh, Aaron Judge's, uh, mom. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, you know, I have a lot, I've, uh, know a lot of people in the business, a lot of people, and they're all very nice, and my joke was, uh, you know, it's, uh, kind of like dying without dying, you know, I get to find out what the people think of you, and a lot of good, uh, you know, a lot of people stood up for me, and Michael Kay had me on his show for a half hour, that 45 minutes that day, and, um, and I, I also, you know, I, I, I do shows all the time, so, uh, Rob Dibble's been very good to me, uh, people like that, so it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big adjustment, but uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I was. I, hold on, I, I was real shocked they let you go, and I I even remember that day when when Michael K said it on TMKS, and he was he was just so shocked, and like weeks weeks and months before that, you know, papers were doing stuff differently a year before that. It was going digital now. No no reporters at the games, and and it's like that that was the main reason why I always loved getting the paper. The sports section, getting everybody's views, takes it tells the story because 
if you weren't able to watch the game that night, reading your articles and so many other articles in the paper, it, it tells a story. And that's what's great about guys like you doing what you do because you just paint the picture as as if that's we were in the ballpark. So I, I well, just want to say thank yeah, you for that. that. No, yeah, what I've always done is, you guys all know my background, but I was, you know, I was, um, I was a good high school player. I was, I played in college, at a smaller college, but I played, and I, so I, you know, I, I know my baseball. Plus, if you cover baseball on an everyday basis, which I did for many, many years, you get a lot of contacts, and I love the game, so... I'm always talking to coaches. Uh, when I covered the Padres, I was talking to Tony Gwynn every day about hitting, eight-time uh, eight champ. Uh, and, and Tony was a, a joy to deal with. And, and so I, I know so many players. So my point is, the knowledge that I have is pretty good going in as a reporter. I would say I know more about baseball than most reporters. And then... It just the knowledge kept getting better every year because I was surrounded by people and I would ask the right questions. And it, you know, I don't want to be simplifying this too much, but I watched the game. I mean, that sounds stupid, but I watched the game. And a lot of guys, uh, you know, they're doing their... And I can, I, I can multitask. I've always been able to do that. Again, thank God. And, um, but, uh, you know, some people get locked in. They're watching their Twitter feed or doing this or they're watching the game on Snapchat. And... There's things where you watch the game, especially now, you need to be watching games, guys, because there's, first of all, the defensive alignments that's going on. That's another thing. You know, the shift, uh, I've seen so many things happening with the shift that other writers don't see simply because they're taking things for granted. And if you know the game as well as I do, when somebody's out of position and, and, and maybe a pop-up drops that should have been caught, and all of a sudden seven runs are scored, the shift ain't working. That's not a good day for the shift, so... So, and I'm not afraid to say it. So, that, that's my point with that. So, I know the game. I know the players. <laughs> Excuse me. And I know, uh, and I know, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to uh, challenge people. I'm not afraid to even, even players themselves. Uh, if they're trying to give me some malarkey or, or, you know, some BS, I'll call them on it. And, and for the most part, though, I got to say, most of the players will always think it with me and uh, pretty fair. Uh, you've been, do, been doing this uh, for so long, Kevin, and all, all the things that you've done for the post and how you articulate stories to get people to engage it is quite, is quite awesome and quite impressive. What, 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 take us through your process uh, when you're covering teams, especially what you did for the post. Like, how are you able to create content to write good stories to get the reader engaged in what they're reading? Yeah, that's a good question. And, um... I always, uh, I've approached it like I would want to know, and so, inter you know, so things interest me, plus, you know, people always want to know about young talent, uh, people always want to know what makes a player tick, um, players have great, interesting stories, from the very beginning, you know, you know, I, I go as far back just talking to Thurman Munson, you know, this is, you know, and, and oh. I always stayed young, I mean, not. I'm 67 years old, but I don't act like that. I don't think like that. And, and even with the younger writers, I got along well with the younger writers because I wasn't afraid to like, point them in the right direction and maybe call them out if they did something stupid. So, um, so the, um, the, the story, like I'll give you a small little example, but this is a good example. 
and uh, I think it's good for any aspiring. And the media's changed now too. I'm not just talking about writing. Any story you do, if you, you guys are interviewing someone, you know, you got to do your homework first off. But I also, because right. I know the game so well, I spend a lot of my time in spring training. I'm not afraid to go to the backfields and see the younger players. I'm always interested by younger players who I think can be stars. And so I believe, um, you know, I went to the backfield one day with the Yankees in Tampa, and I see this kid just crushing the ball, and his approach you know what I'm going, it's Aaron Judge. And nobody had written about Judge at this point uh, in any kind of a depth. And uh, so Dave Winfield happened to be coming in later that week uh, with the Players Association, and Winfield was a tall hitter. So I started... And Whitfield knew about Judge because he, he walked around too. He would see, he would see players too. And, and, and Dave was a uh, multi-sports star. So I, I asked Dave about the difficulties of being a taller guy. What do you guys do to be successful? I also talked to Alex Rodriguez about Judge because Alex is a big Alex is a big talent scout. He knows that for all Alex's, you know, Alex has had a lot of interesting things happen throughout his life and. Some of that we were going to get himself in trouble. But one thing about Alex Rodriguez is he knows baseball inside now. So Alex had told me about Judge as well, how, how much uh, he, he loved this kid. So once I did that kind of homework, then I went to Judge, talked to him for the first time at death, and found out now we all know about uh, uh, Judge, but you know this is the first time Judge was really getting interviewed by anybody out of the, out of the New York market. And I found him extremely engaging. Uh, he's what I call a raised bright kid. You know, he's, uh, he, 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 he's respectful, but he's also, uh, you know, he, 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 he takes care of his teammates. And I, I noticed little things, too. I noticed that when he was at a game, when the inning would end, he would he, he would stand by the dugout in the backfields, you know, where were cutout dugouts, you know, the, the typical dugouts, the regular canoe dugouts, so to speak. And, you know, when, when the other teammates would come in, he'd give them a pat on the back, have a word of encouragement, joke cool, around with them. So you could see he was a natural leader. So I knew all that going into the interviews, and then we talked about it, and that was a day. Of course, then I, I you know, he, he uh, gave me his parents' number, and I spoke to them. And, and by, I'm not sure if I did the I'm running around covering the Yankees that day, but I did the interview with his parents in the bullpen area because I was going to one of the other fields where I had to be. So I, I actually did the interview standing up, you know, in a corner of a bullpen uh, before the game, uh, you know, interviewing the mom and dad. And uh, that's when they told me, you know, that he was adopted early on. And, uh, you know, so nobody knew any of this. So you put it all together. It's a great story. And then you get a relationship going with Judge. And uh, then you can... Uh, uh, to this day, even up until last year in the spring training, he would always go out of his way and say, Kevin, do you need anything? You know, that, that's kind of kid he is. And, uh, <laughs> and um, it was the same way with, the, you know, again, because of my ability to understand the game and maybe scout the game and, of course, talk to scouts. I, I left that out. Scouts are invaluable if you're going to do this job right because uh, you want to get their opinions on things. And... Um, uh, a little story, this is, one of the, this is another background story, but another story I did not judge, I, I tracked down the scouts that saw him in the Cape Cod League, because the Yankees basically drafted the judge out of the Cape Cod League. They liked what they saw up there. Uh, and an interesting side, side, side story to that was I talked to one, one of their scouts, 
Um, this this is something you probably didn't like as well, but maybe two months ago or like five weeks back, they said that mascots would be allowed in the ballpark, but scouts wouldn't. What what was your thought on that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question too, and um, it, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? When you when you you gotta ask such a dumb. Instead of cardboard cutout, it's like those guys that stole me. They just, they 
they're destroying this game so badly that pretty soon they're going to have to have cardboard cutouts even when fans are going to be allowed back in the stands. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, nah. it's just another example of uh, uh, if there's room for mascots, there should be room for scouts. I agree. Now, man, now, man, now, now, Kevin. Obviously, what's going on with the being a baseball is is different. It's now, um, now it's the millennial Gen Z type of field. They're obviously younger, they're faster, but they're trying to. But baseball is desperately trying to draw fans. You see, football is the most popular sport. The NBA is not that far behind. What do you think that Mansford has to do to try to a get fans back? into loving baseball so they can compete with the NFL and the NBA as far as, like, popularity in the sport. Well, he's got, he's got a big job ahead of him. And, and I, I'm quick to criticize Manford when he deserves it, and he does deserve it often. Um, but the problem is they've let the game get away from a youth level. Um, you know, yeah. uh, baseball, baseball, it's, it's a hard sport. This is what we say about baseball. And all my kids play baseball, and my daughter played softball, and they all played in college, so they're all decent players, big children. So I know how, and I coached many teams through the years. My um, my oldest boy was on the same in the same little league back in San Diego. He hit home runs in little league off of Cole Hamels. Cole was on in the uh, little league, so I know Cole from the time he was nine, ten years old. Um, the, 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 the great uh, pitcher, and. Um, but baseball is a sport that takes a lot of energy. It takes, like, there's a lot of barrier in baseball. And I think it's harder for kids to stay with baseball when they're young because because of that failing. And, and they move, they go to other sports because they're quicker, too. If you go to any, and you guys know, if you go to any, uh, if you go to any uh, sports complex over the weekend, especially now, the lacrosse kids are filling it up. Lacrosse yeah. is a very popular sport. So baseball is lost. Yes, baseball has lost that that, that, that certain um, um, spirit it had with the young kids, and kids would always play it. It was the game of America. So that's one of the problems. One of the problems is baseball's just not as popular with the youth that it used to be, and part of that is because of the way, um, um, you know, I know I know Little League very well. I just, uh, you going back to your story of, uh, your question about creating stories, 1998, I called my sports editor and said, hey, let me go cover this little league team from New Jersey. They're playing in Connecticut tonight. They got a really good player on there, and um, it could wind out to be a good story. But that player was Todd Frazier. They won in Connecticut, and they went out to the Little League World Series, and that became a very popular you know, I saw a lot of papers writing about Tom Frazier for the Post uh, way back in 98. So the Little League is kind of, uh, you know, they're fighting the fight, and... So right now, the, the kids aren't into baseball as much, but having said all that, baseball is shot in the book by creating, basically we're not watching baseball anymore. And my original answer was, to you was going to be, you get back to playing baseball, make it baseball. And by that I mean having runners go first to third, put the action back in the end. Kids love action. That's why they love the NBA. That's why they love the NFL. They've taken the action out of baseball. 58,000 at-bats last year were either strikeouts or walks. So that's 58,000 times you could be looking at your phone and not miss anything. So so they need to have, they need to make, they need to generate more offense and they need to make more contact with the baseball. The whole, the whole uh, launch angle thing uh, has gotten out of control. 
strikeouts have gotten out of control. So they've destroyed the game from within in many ways, and it's not as much fun to watch. And I, and I can answer you guys. Can you guys sit around and watch a four, three and a half hour game? Do you do that often? Can you watch the whole game? Yeah, always. Yeah, always, always. So you can hang around and watch it. The Padres play the, the Rangers for three and a half hours. You don't have any problem watching that. No problem at all. No <laughs> well, well, they need they need more fans like you, and uh, so but the, the general public though ain't doing that. They're not doing that, and I think what you're going to see more of the COVID with the COVID now. People found times they found things to do with their uh, with their time. So baseball is being a bigger hole for itself because the typical baseball game now is essentially a showcase event where kids go when they have batting practice and it's a home run derby. They gotta get the game back where the the, the actions in the game, there's hit and runs, there's stolen bases, there's, there's more athletic plays, uh, and make the game fun. You know, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and that's that's a big challenge. But to me, right now, baseball is in a boredom situation. It's a little boring to watch, uh, especially now the way the game is played. Um, I'm sure you have many stories, but give us. A good one or your favorite Yogi Berra story? The Yogi, you know, Yogi was just fun to go see. And, um, you know, I, I actually, I did one of the last interviews with Yogi. I went over there with his, um, his um, you know, the museum. And, and Yogi, you know, I sat down with Yogi. And the thing with Yogi was, he was exactly what you, what, what you see. He, 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 he was an amazing hitter, an amazing athlete. He had incredible, when he played, he was an, he had an unbelievable balance, the things he could do, and, uh, and he's, of course, you know, the best thing about Yogi, when he talked to you, he made such common sense, and he would say it in his Yogi-isms, that he brought a smile to your face, because Yogi, Yogi in many ways, Yogi was every man. Yogi was the player, the guy that came off the street. Well, he can play anybody can, but he was an incredible athlete. So my favorite thing about Yogi was just walking around his museum, having him tell me stories about, uh, you know, this, uh, the rings or, or playing against, you know, or playing with the Yankees and Mickey Mantle and, and his common sense approach to the game. Um, and, 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 and you got to appreciate that. And, and he made the game fun. But Yogi also, uh, um, there was a certain artistry to Yogi if you look back at the old video. So I appreciate Yogi on two levels. I appreciate him as an athlete. He obviously was a great game caller. Yeah, I don't think he gets credit for that. The Don Larson perfect game was a great example of that. But he also was a guy that had such common sense that, you know, and, all, and when he says those things, you got to laugh because he, you know, he says things like, you know, that restaurant's too popular. Nobody goes there anymore. You know, so, uh, you know, those kind of things were great to hear right out of the horse's mouth, so to speak. And, uh, you know, just uh, being around Yogi and, and his relationship with Phil Rizzuto was another great one. Um, you know, those are guys uh, that I remember from my youth. And to be able to spend time with them was just a, a great pleasure. And Yogi was also very respectful, which I, which I appreciated. Very respectful of other people. Yogi would be so unassuming, you would never know, you know, he had all the rings, he was such a great champion, just a, a, a real regular guy, so that, that's what Yogi was all about. 
Now, well, now, what would be some of the stories you had when um, when Billy Martin was taken over during the during the Bronx the Bronx the Bronx Zoo stories from '77 and '78? Yeah, you know, uh, you know that team. I was, I was, I, I came right out of college in '77 as an assistant. I was hired by the Hudson Dispatch Paper in New Jersey as assistant sports editor. So actually, I'm, I'm looking over here. I have a, uh, you know, I have a Yankee pass from that year because back then they give you a pass to get in a little cardboard, like uh, a little piece of paper. And um, and Billy was. So I actually played uh, the meetings to play him in. Uh, you know, Billy used to play in the media game back then. Uh, because I was a young, right out of college kind of guy, I played on the, uh, the the writers team. So we, he was just as competitive in the media game as he would be in a real game. So uh, uh, and again, he he was a sharp wit, funny guy. He had his demons, um, and uh, it, it's a shame. But uh, you know, you had to appreciate Yogi for his. I mean, uh, Billy for his knowledge of really kind of manage a team getting the most out of the players and stirring the pot, the pot, you know, that's what he did. So he was, um, you know, it wasn't like a type of thing. When you when you go in there, here's the difference, though. When you go in the Billy's office back then, you better be right and have the, you, you better have a question that is, is, is on target because if you're not, he's going to, you know, you're going to hear some words <laughs> that aren't going to be too kind. So you, you better do your homework. And uh, you got to be able to. Back then, you would you had to take it because I was in many managers' offices. Not you know, not just Philly, but you know, if the manager didn't make the question, they would let you have it. So uh, it was a much different situation. Just so you guys could understand, the way it used to work, like after a game, a tough loss, like you'd walk into the clubhouse, you'd go to the manager's office, and uh, um, say they lost the game in the ninth inning. But the first question when they you know, what happened to your reliever there in the ninth inning? The first question would be something like, because we'd sit down, and it would be more like a, uh, kind of like hanging out type thing, you know? Right. You know, you're going to be in for about 15 minutes, so you might say, hey, uh, you had to like the way, uh, you know, uh, Smith hit that, uh, hit that triple in the third <laughs> inning. That was my, so we'd start off a little soft. Loosen it up. Imagine this, guys. 
Imagine Bill Belichick now. Bobby Rose would <laughs> let us watch the entire practice. And, and when you watch team practice day after day in the NFL, you have a really good feeling going into the game. So so we were much better educated. Now, we couldn't write about certain things because they were off the record and they didn't want to tip off the, the other team. But we had a much better feeling going into a game back then of what the team was trying to do. So we were more knowledgeable. So your writers back then were more knowledgeable sim- simply because the media was allowed more access and could see things. And that's what makes this year so difficult for the media. I feel for the guys uh, because they, even if they go to the game, that's a late game. They're still up in the press box. They're doing things on a Zoom call. Like, uh, and, and you're not getting that one-on-one time that I had always had with players before and after games where you could really get stories um, and, and, and get information. So, um, but the managers back then were a wealth of information. They would tell you everything. So you had a really good feel for the team, and uh, they weren't afraid to uh, let out the state secrets. Now everything is way hush-hush, and they don't want to say anything. That's why now more than ever, you really better know what you're looking at. Yeah, personal relationships are trust. You know, it's a trusting. A, a, a player wants to make sure that if, if they tell you something off the record, it stays off the record. They don't want to hear about it the next day. Um, So... Big fan of Goose, Goose Gossage as well. Obviously, the game now is very analytical. So, when he gave the money quote, they're going to have nerds in the dugout. What What did you think of that? Well, you know, we kind of agree, so I, I thought you saw the truth. And, uh, you know, it was a lot. Yeah, that, I don't, you know, that, it was a longer story. That was about a few thousand Right then and there, everybody had their job 
Bruce Bochy, very close. I'm very close friends with Bruce Bochy. Uh, fantastic uh, man. Years. Yeah, fantastic man. He went three of five. Well, here's the story behind this story. He, um, you know, um, Brian Sabian was the GM, and, and, and Brian Sabian grew up with the Yankees organization. He, he was a he was a, in the big time position with the Yankees and scouting and everything else. So he learned everything from Steinbrenner. So, so, uh, and that, and, you know, his baseball knowledge came somewhere else, but his approach came from Steinbrenner. So he knew who he had to have manage. And um, it was funny when, um, when, when Bochy was with the Padres and basically he thought he was going to get an extension, but Sandy Olson told him, you basically got one year left or you're free to look for another job. That's when, you know, he was hired. Uh, he made one phone call and he was hired 10 minutes later by Fabian. And then they go on to win the championships. And I told Sapien in 2010, and this is this is true. If you, could, if, you know, if you ever talk to Sapien, he'll tell you. I told Sapien in 2010. I said, "Listen, you're going to win three of the next five World Series." Mm. And he said, "I, I, 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 I was, I was right. And he said, "How can you say that, Kevin?" I said, "Well, first of all, I, I, again, I knew I knew what I was looking at. I knew they had some good talent coming." At the time, I knew about Bumgarner was going to had this kid stash in the minors who was going to be a stud, and I knew I knew Bochy was such a great manager. I said, you, you're going to probably, you know, I was I originally was going to say four out of five, but then I said, now you're going to have one year where things quite don't go your way, but you got Chris Bochy now, who's by far the best manager of the game. And if you look back at the times that they won, he 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 was masterful in handling that bullpen. Did a great job with it, and I think that's getting back to Girardi. I think Girardi's good with the bullpen for the most part, and um, and I think uh, you know I, I it, it's uh, you know I think he'll do a good job with Philadelphia. So so the manager could still have an important role, but the point that Goose was making was the managers can't say anything now because first of all their hands are tied, and a lot of the game, and this is the problem with the game now, guys. A lot of the games are pre-scripted. In other words, they'll say, okay, we're gonna go. You know, we have five five innings out of our starters, and we're going yeah. so and so. So even if so and so is is pitching lights out and strikes out, you know, the whole the whole he's still coming out for for the seventh inning guy. So he just to me, you're gambling too much now. It's like going to uh, a casino and saying, uh, okay, I think I'm going to win this on the roulette wheel, and then move over to here and win this, and win that. Everything has to go right now. The Yankees, they have so much talent, I think they're going to win it all this year, just nothing out of my mind. Um, and I think they'll probably, if they have to, they'll, they'll pick up another pitcher if they have to, another starter. They'll make the trade for somebody that's halfway decent on the road. But, um, um, because they're too close. And uh, the manager can't really manage nowadays. He's managing people, he's not managing the game. So that's where that conversation was going with Goose and uh, he, uh, he was saying they're puppets and, and I came up with the term nerd puppets and uh, <laughs> I also came up with the, I also have the term over nerdy and I think uh, I think the people at Ball 9 are going to make a shirt with the hashtag over nerdy because I, I tell you it used to be over managing but now it's over nerdy so you're having a guy <laughs> making the decision to upstairs and maybe never played the game but is looking at data and he's telling the manager who's been a third generation manager like Aaron Boone been in the game for three generations and uh, and Boone to his credit Boone's a, uh, uh, you know Boone can uh, Boone is one of those guys that can deal with all kinds of situations and uh, uh, you know he can he'll let everybody into the party and let them just let them do it well other, maybe Girardi might have went back a little bit and that's a joke no longer managing the Yankees 
you have you have the Yankees over the Dodgers? I do. I do at this point. Yeah, I do. And I and uh, another Yankee call I want to make um, is that, and I said it. I wrote the column. This is another column I wrote early before the season started. The late season started, but um, yeah, the Yankees should be. They should have already done it. They should be locking up. I pointed out, I said, they got to lock up Aaron Judge forever. And you, you guys are seeing, we all know what kind of player he can be, but we're really seeing what kind of player he's developed. And I saw this coming in after I saw him in some training and talked at length. I knew where his head was at. And um, and, and uh, the Yankees, just like the, the Braves, signed, you know, Puna for many years. Um, uh, you know, the Yankees should have, uh, they should have already signed, but, uh, they'll probably get lucky and want to stay anyway at this point, but I think you're playing with fire. Uh, he should have been signed already to a forever Yankee contract, and, uh, and we all know why. Um, here's, here's my last question before James does his rapid fire. You raved about Bruce Bochy, as you should, but if you had one game to win, who would you pick, Bruce Bochy or Tony La Russa? Bochy. Uh, Bochy was good, but um, and Bochy, you know, when Bochy was at the top of his game, you know, because it, I think Bochy needed a break. I will say that. I think it, it, it wore on him, and I, I, and I, I will say this also. I, I will be shocked if Bruce Bochy's not managing somewhere in the majors next year. Um, um, I think he'll come back. And um, um, Larissa is. Uh, I think LaRusso's a little bit more, they're both very good, don't get me wrong, but I think in some ways LaRusso's a little more stubborn to his system, whereas Bochy, I think, will make an adjustment. And right. uh, and there's also a certain, Bochy has that look when he gives you, like, you better get, you know, like we were just talking about, that kick in the butt. Well, Bochy can give you that kick in the butt without giving you a kick in the butt. He has the ability to just look at you a certain way. And, and it's kind of like you got the big head we all know. It's like the biggest head in the world, and uh, as big as Jay Harris in the Mets PR, and uh, and and he just uh, you know he, he just gives you that look like let's get it together. So so and I think he's tremendous at using the bullpen. Whereas I think Tony sometimes Tony was great because of Dave Duncan. Now if you pick Dave Duncan and Tony, maybe they get the edge. But manager head to head, I would go with Bochy. And uh, what what's your thoughts on uh, Dusty Baker never being able to win win the big one? He can get you there, but so far, you know, he just never been able to go all the way. Yes, I think some of that's just bad luck. I, I'm a big Dusty Baker fan as well. I think they made a great choice. Uh, Me Dusty too. Baker this year for the Astros. I think he's the kind of guy who can navigate that those waters and. If he gets there this year, you know, we all make these predictions like Yankees are going to win, you know, but really the reality is what do we know? You know, it all depends like at that point who's best, but Dusty uh, could be very dangerous, I think. If the Astros get there, this will be dangerous. The Verlander thing really crushes them, um, so that, that probably takes them out of the equation. But the Yankees, uh, Dusty just, I think, has had some bad luck. I don't think it's bad managing. Sometimes things just, you know, like, remember that game that uh, where, where the Nationals lost one had the big lead at the playoff game? And yeah. It's just weird stuff. It's, it's a, you know, you actually, you know, I, I want to mention him because he's a friend of mine, but why do better managers do the last, uh, 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 you know, 20 years or so, 30 years ago? It, 
Jack McKean did a phenomenal job in 2003 Mario. Oh, so yeah. Fantastic he manager. Who was what, you know, 75 then? What's that? He was in his 70s then, right? Yeah, but he's very young. I mean, I talk, I talk to Jack. I still talk to Jack once every two weeks, maybe. He's 90, just got another, uh, you know, he got a rank with the Nationals because he was a senior advisor. Yeah. And just to give you some, some insight, one of the things that Mike Rizzo brought him in for was to talk to Davey Martinez about really strategy of managing in the postseason because Jack is a go-get-em guy. You know, his philosophy is, I'm going to get one run, so you got to get two. I'm going to get two runs, so you got to get three. He's not afraid to use his pitchers. It was Jack who used his starters out of the bullpen when they beat the Yankees in 2003. And isn't it surprising that the Nationals did the same thing last year with Jack talking to Davey Martinez and, and giving him some ideas and to Davey's credit. He, 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 he at least uh, thought about the possibilities and did it. And using the guys the way he did, he, 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 win, he wins the World Series. So, so managing can be very important, even though they are puppets nowadays. And, and my, my joke with the Yankees is that since 2003, uh, the Yankees have won as many uh, World Series as the Marlins won. <laughs> so uh, that'll change, I think, with uh, Cole. And, I uh, hope. You know, and he's a... Uh, uh, this, this guy's an amazing pitcher. He's a, he's a great kid. I used to have long conversations with him at the Astros um, uh, during the playoffs and, uh, and spring training because, um, you know, he had McCann, the catcher, and McCann knew me well. So McCann, and this is how it works. McCann put in a good word to me. So, so Derek Cole was always very open to my questions when I, when I would talk to him. That's one of the disappointing things this year. He, he, you know, uh, Grom is a Met. When he starts, I do make it my attempt if the Yankees are not on to try to watch his starts because he's he just knows what he's doing and like like a comparison I I could kind of make to, make to Degrom is Greg Maddox just took control went went on the mound you know. Maddox got a little more run support than Degrom did, which is awful. I think you know, you know, Degrom, Degrom should have a whole, a whole lot more wins. <laughs> but uh, it's just so fantastic, and and even another good manager from the '90s too, Bobby Cox. Oh, tremendous Very good with that Braves team, and 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 also another good manager too, too that kind of gets underlooked, Terry Collins. When 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 he managed those Mets teams, he 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 did very well. Terry has a good feel for the game and good feel for people. I thought he was. I agree with you 100. I thought 
he, he became a punching bag for Mets fans simply because that's what Mets fans do. Um, they always have to be <laughs> they got to be upset with somebody. But Terry, I thought, did a phenomenal job managing that team. And even, you know, he gets a lot of grief for the Matt Harvey game, letting him go back out there, blah, blah, blah. Any but manager, you know I think, would have put him out there. You can't bag on exactly. Terry for that. Exactly. It's feel sometimes. He, he, he loves the kid. The thing about Terry Collins, and all these guys you just mentioned, they're all the same kind of guy. They, they love their players. They'll do anything for them. Bobby Collins is, you know, I, I've known Chipper Jones forever. My brother covered Chipper Jones when he was in high school. My brother's really? in Florida. Yeah. So I knew Chipper right from the start. And Chipper, to this day, he, he just loves, and all those players love Bobby Cox because he supported them. But he also put him in a position to succeed, and he took the heat for them. He was a nice chip. I mean, Bobby was a good blend of the new manager that you needed to be with the new kind of player who maybe you couldn't really get on quite as much as in the past. So Bobby really crushed that medium. And, of course, Bobby, as you guys know, he, he, he was the Yankee third baseman way back when. And, and um, you know, so he's, he, he came up to the Yankees. So he had a great foundation for baseball. And he's one of the I could always find Bobby guys when uh, when I needed Bobby Cox and the Braves were you know Mets and the Braves always had those big series. While the other writers may have been uh, you know sitting in the press box or something, I'd go for a stroll. I'd go out to the visiting bullpen at City at the, the Shea Stadium, and I'd find Bobby out there smoking a cigar. That's what he did before games, and I get it. And I'd always get a few minutes with Bobby where we could just chat. And of course. And I saw him, you know, and I used to see him uh, up at Cooperstown. He was, he's always great to talk baseball with. And, uh, and again, it's, it's, a, it's a game of personal relationships. It's a game of stats. I get it. And, and one other point I want to make is that the analytics guys were always in there. Jack McKean, we talked about Jack. Jack is a math magician. He's a, he's a magician with math. Always has been very smart with math. He's a big stock market guy. But Jack knew all these numbers way back when. They may have different names or different uh, titles, but Jack is aware of all this stuff way back then. And all these guys, all the good managers were way ahead of the game on on base percentage and all that stuff. They understood it all. They just don't let it decide every factor. They take the human factor into account too, and that's what the great managers do. So it's uh, I don't I don't I don't want to come away from this for people thinking this is old man yelling at clouds. I'm a I'm a believer in the analytics as well. They just can't be overdone. And I think what you're in a danger area now with pitching coaches, they look at the the the, the Rospito and the, uh, the the video. They spend so much time looking at that stuff and maybe working, you know, talking about this. They, they sometimes forget about mechanics. And the point I want to make is Edwin Diaz. I, I saw it right from the beginning. Rick Pearson. Oh, I learned this from Rick Pearson. Where Edwin Diaz has his hands way low each time. They're too far low, so every time he starts his his his, uh, his wind up, he could wind up in a different place. That's why he's not getting that consistency. And lo and behold, I've been saying this for a while. Smoke said it the other day on the on the on the broadcast. Smoke's noticed the game very well, obviously in pitching, and, and he said the exact same thing. So, so I think this new age uh, uh, pitching coach is great with the, the new age things, but don't forget. You're a mechanic. I take my car to a mechanic to get fixed. Same thing with my pitchers. I take them to a pitching coach who can, who can maybe do all the, uh, has all that, that new new stuff that you can put on a car to see what's wrong with it, but he's got to be able to know how to fix the car, too. And I think that's lost a little bit. Uh, I agree. Um, uh, well, quick rapid fire code. I'm going to ask you some quick, um, quick questions, and you're going to give me the quick answer at the top of your head. How quick? 
Not any words. Uh, I got about a minute. Okay. Okay, um, who, um, who you got the MVP to win this season? I'm going with Judge, and I said it from the beginning. I just think, and, his, and the reason why is not only because he's on the field, but Judge has been very, and, and you can count this as, 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 uh, as, as the truth, he's been very important to the Yankees player to say, hey, let's make sure we follow the protocols, let's do things right, let's make sure, uh, you know, we're not getting sick here. Do, um, if you said the Yankees are going to win the World Series, I mean, who are their opponents and how, how many games? I always go with seven, because usually that's what happens in World Series. And it's going to be, I'm going to find that table. But uh, it's a crazy year, guys. I think this is going to be, we get a. Kevin, go back with your thought. I didn't catch that question. I was like, you know. 
Yankee number two guy, considering the fact that seven. Yeah. I'm sorry, I, I missed it again. I'm sorry. I the n- the number two guy in the rotation. Who do you think that would be? Um, I think it would be Tanaka. Um, if not Tanaka, it's the guy that's not here yet. I think he'll trade. One advantage Cashman has, and this year more than ever. Um. There will be some pictures available on the open market, like always, and uh, it's going to be a quick market, but uh, it's got to be Tanaka. Paxton, you know, I, I, I haven't liked anything I've seen from him. He does have his velocity. Looks like the injuries have really caught up with him, and he may be a year away from being right. And is it Tanaka or Paxton? Tanaka, to me, in situations, he seems to pitch well, so... I think this year is made, is, you know, unfortunately going to hit the blind drive, and we'll see, you, know, you never know, something like that, like how that could affect the fire. But uh, I think he's, um, I think Tanaka will, uh, I think he'll really like the fact, too, that he has the horse in front of him, so he's not on his shoulders. And so I think he'll be, a, he'll be a pretty good number two. Uh, that was great, Kevin. Again, that, those are some fucking things. Thank Good talking to you guys, great questions, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'd like to pass along some of the young guys who are interested, and hopefully I help you out a little bit. Yes, sir, thank you. It was a fantastic time talking to you. Okay, man, take care, call me anytime. Thanks. Of course. Guys, that was the great, great Kevin Kernan. Um, he's just very, very knowledgeable, and personal relationships are just everything. When you have a passion with anything in life, you have to care. You have to take the time to pay attention at your craft to get it right. And I'm so glad he's doing stuff with Ball Nine. Just his, all his years of experience, it can't, it can't be taught. It's, it's not something you can necessarily teach. You can try to explain it, but no, just it's 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 great and I and I think that T shirt idea would be very funny. Chris definitely work on that. And it was another good day. I agree. Um I agree. Um quickly, um Mike Soroka's been helped off the off the engine's right leg. So that means raised. Yeah, I know that's um, not that's not exactly making me happy. He's on my fantasy team. And last week for you, happy birthday. I said today is a special day for you. I'm going to be nice. Happy birthday to the great Tom Brady, 43 years old. Happy birthday. He is 43 now. Anything you'd like to say to Brady? You know what? I'm so glad that you said great. Great, Mr. Grady Great, Mr. Goat, the only goat, the goat, Tom Edward Patrick Brady. Happy birthday, man. Your first your first birthday not in New England. But um you just 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 for the way that James said it's so great. It's great is such a powerful word. It's something every athlete wishes they could be. You know, right now Mahomes wishes he could be he could be great. You know? But um, he's not, and this is something 
I never really talked about because it just you know but but over the past two weeks it's just been kept reminding me and whatnot. When Ty Hill said why not seven and we're going for Jordan you're not chasing Michael Jordan. How disrespectful is that? At least stick to the same sport. You're chasing Tom Brady. I get it, he's still playing, and maybe that's why they said Jordan. But stick to the same sport. You are you are not a point guard, Tyreek Hill. You are you are a wide receiver. A wide receiver is football. Stick to the same sport. Anybody who's playing in the NFL is chasing Tom Brady. They are not chasing Michael Jordan. Just like in basketball, they're not chasing Tom Brady. And technically, if you want to get technical, in basketball, they're not even chasing Michael Jordan. They're chasing Horry or Bill Russell. That's who they're chasing. Like, 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 if, if... if we're being reasonable, Tom Brady is the only football player with six rings. So it is factual to say you are chasing Tom Brady. For baseball, it's factual to say you're chasing Yogi Berra. That's facts. So stick to the same sport. You're chasing Brady. Mahomes is chasing Brady. Lamar Jackson is chasing Brady. Any NFL player. And before... Before Tom Brady won five and six, it was that it was that linebacker they were chasing who had five rings. But now, well, you know what? You guys are chasing Brady. But um, again, fantastic job with you with Kayla, Emmy Award-winning Kayla Anderson, and and that that was just a great job talking to Kevin Kernan. Fantastic guys, go ballnine.com. And yeah, go ahead. And lastly, for you, Nick, to go on the right way, and this, this is no jokes, <laughs> I had a Brady on his birthday winning his sixth Super Bowl championship. Yep, yep. 